0: The Lord be with you. It seems like a sweet story about a teacher and his student, Elijah and Elisha. And it starts off Elijah says to his student Elisha, The Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Stay here. And the student Elisha responds to his teacher, As the Lord lives and as you live, I shall not leave you which seems like a pretty dramatic response to, you know, walking a half a day's journey, but okay. So they go together to Bethel. And when they get to Bethel, they encounter a company of prophets. These are probably prophets who were also once trained by Elijah. And this company of prophets, they come over to Elisha, to their fellow student, and they say, do you know that today the Lord will take your master from you? And suddenly we realize that this isn't just a sweet story about a teacher and a student. It's a story about how we deal with the people we love dying. And what we see is Elisha say, yes, I know, be silent. What we see is that this is actually a story about prophets who know what God is up to, trying to pretend God is not up to that very thing. It is a story about people trying to deny the reality of death and in doing so, denying real relationship with each other. Because after Elisha says, okay, don't talk about the fact that my teacher is about to die, Elijah, that teacher, says once more, stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Jericho. It's almost as if Elijah is trying to say to his student, Hey, I need to leave you. Let's practice. But no one's going to say that out loud, right? And so, instead of having a conversation about, Hey, we're going to have some time apart, maybe for a really long time, instead, Elisha says, As the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Which is very sweet, but factually impossible. Yes, right? The Lord is going to live forever. Elisha is not. At some point, death will separate Elijah and Elisha. But instead of talking about this truth, Elisha makes an impossible promise, an empty vow. But they just leave it at that. And so they walk together, and it could be that two of the greatest prophets that Israel has ever had, on their last day together... It could be on this whole walk they have nothing worth saying to each other that's worth writing down. That could be the case. Or it could be that the one thing they all know they need to talk about, no one is willing to talk about. And so they don't say anything on that whole journey. Until they get to Jericho. And then once again, a company of prophets comes up to Elisha and says, Do you know that today... Your teacher, The Lord will take your teacher from you. And once again, Elisha says, Yes, I know, be silent. And we see this denial of death. It, it means that the things that are most significant in life, they have to be kept secret. They have to be silenced because even though they're the things that matter most, no one is willing to talk about them. And so by... Denying the reality of death, everyone in this story denies the opportunity for real relationships. And the cycle, it just happens again. Elijah says, stay here for the Lord is sending me as far as the Jordan. And once again, Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Once again, an empty promise. And once again, they walk. And perhaps they have nothing to say to each other, or perhaps they can't say the only things that need to be said. And when they get there, the company of prophets keeps their distance this time. They've learned that no matter how significant this thing that is about to happen is, it's got to be kept silent, it's got to be kept secret, instead of being shared. Shared. Because they are trying to deny the reality of death, they deny themselves the opportunity for real relationships. And that's also what we see happens in our gospel today. Our gospel starts by saying six days later, and so it's important to understand what happened six days before. Because what happened six days before is Jesus told his disciples the reality that he is going to die soon. He's going to be rejected and handed over and crucified But don't worry, he'll rise again. And Peter's response is an attempt to deny the reality of death. He says, God forbid it! Which is a very sweet sentiment, but it's an empty promise. Peter can no more forbid God from letting Jesus die than Elisha can never leave his master's side. Jesus, in response says, get behind me, Satan, calling Peter Satan. So we can see already, right, the denial of the reality of death is denying them a real relationship with each other. And so after that encounter, there are six days that pass. And it could be, once again, that in six days of Jesus' ministry, he says nothing that's worth writing down. That could be. Or maybe in those six days... There is something that needs to be said, but no one is willing to say it. And so they spend six days walking in silence until Jesus takes them up a mountaintop. And there, upon that mountaintop, it says Jesus is transfigured. His appearance becomes brilliant and shining white it's the same description that we hear about in the Old Testament when Moses goes up a mountain is in the presence of God. Jesus' appearance on that mountaintop is telling us and telling the disciples that he takes with him that they are in the presence of God. And suddenly there appears with Jesus Moses and Elijah, the greatest heroes in all of Israel. These represent the law and the prophets, the fulfillment of all the scriptures. And they are there with Jesus, living proof that the dead are not lost, but with us still. It is a glimpse of what we get to see on the other side of death. It is glorious and it is terrifying. And the scriptures tell us that Peter doesn't know what to say in response to receiving this vision, but he feels he has to say something. And so he says, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Once again, it's a very sweet sentiment, but it sums up as saying, let's just stay here. I get to be with Jesus in all his glory and with Moses and Elijah. And no one else needs to share in that. We don't need to go down the hill for the other nine disciples who are missing out on this. Let's just keep this to ourselves. Let's keep it a secret. Because that's what happens when you try to deny the reality of death. You keep secret the things that are most significant in life. But more than that, it is an attempt to keep Jesus from going down the mountain. Because Peter knows if Jesus goes down the mountain... He will die. And Peter doesn't want that. But Peter's attempt to deny the reality of death is the very thing that is preventing them from having a real relationship with Jesus. And so God has to step in. A voice from heaven says, This is my Son, the Beloved, Listen to Him. God is saying to Peter and to us, this Jesus that I am showing you, I am showing you that in Him, death will be defeated. That in Him, the dead are not lost. They are alive still. Do you not see Moses and Elijah with Him? He who is My Son, the Beloved. Do not fear death. For though death may take the ones we hold dear in Jesus, they are always near. No, death cannot separate us from the ones we love. But our denial of death, our denial of real relationships, well, that can separate us from the ones we love on this side of the grave or the next. And so God tells Peter all he needs to do to make sure he's never separated from Jesus. He says, listen to him. Right? Peter, stop trying to think of the things that you can say or do to make this problem go away. You can't. All you can make go away is the reality of the relationship you're trying to have. Instead, just take this time to listen. Listen to this person whom you love just like I do. Peter can't yet in that moment. He can't yet because to do so would have to be to acknowledge what Jesus is saying, that he is going to die and Peter's not ready. And so it says the vision ends and they see only Jesus. And as they go down the mountain, Jesus says not to tell anyone about what they had seen until they have seen the resurrection of the Son of Man. Because it's not until they are willing to see death but they are will, that they will be able to see the reality of what Jesus has shown them, what's on the other side of death. Until we are well, willing to recognize the reality of death, we cannot recognize real relationships on this side of the grave or the next. And while Peter may have to wait to do that, Something changes for Elijah. Something changes for Elijah when he reaches the River Jordan. Maybe it's that upon reaching the River Jordan, Elijah has literally run out of Israel. Yeah, He can't keep saying to his student, hey, God has sent me further that way, because there's no more further that way for him to go. Maybe he's just gotten tired of walking in silence with this student. Or maybe when he comes to the River Jordan and he rolls up his mantle and he parts the waters of that river and they cross to the other side, Elijah remembers that his God is the God of Moses who parted the Red Sea, the God of Joshua who parted that River Jordan once before to let the Hebrew people into the Promised Land. That this God who can part rivers and oceans will not let death part Elijah from the promises that God gives. And so he is unwilling to let the fear of death part his relationship with his student any longer. And so at last, Elijah says to Elisha, what can I do for you before the Lord takes me from you? Elijah asks a question, and then he listens to the one he loves. And instead of making some grand promise that he can't keep, Elisha's response is to say, please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. Which maybe sounds strange at first, but you have to understand this. Hebrew inheritance law says that the firstborn, the eldest son will receive a double share of inheritance over all the other sons. Elisha is saying to his teacher, I want to be your son. I want to be your eldest son. I want to be your firstborn. We may not be related by blood, but we are related through love. I want to be your son, teacher. And Elijah says, you have asked for a hard thing. And Elijah doesn't make a promise he can't keep. He doesn't say, oh yes, it'll definitely be given to you. He says this, if you can keep looking at me as I am taking from you, it will be. If not, it will not. He's saying, if you can keep looking at me even as I am dying, if you can look at me in this hardest moment in our relationship and not look away, You will be my son. And even though it's not a promise that what Elisha has asked for will be fulfilled, simply hearing that request is so much more fulfilling than any empty promise because that request has said that this relationship matters to both of them. It is a student saying, I think of you as a father. And what greater gift is that to hear before you die? And after that moment, it says they continue walking, but for the first time in this whole story, it says, as they were walking and talking, suddenly the silence is broken because they have finally said the one thing that they needed to say out loud, and now their relationship can be restored they can talk to each other again as they walk through these final hours on the earth. And as they walk, finally that moment comes when God sends chariots of fire down from heaven swinging low that sweep up Elijah to carry him home. Chariots of fire. Chariots with a the mightiest military weapon of the day, flaming with the power of God. It is a sign that when God comes to take someone away, there is nothing that can stop God. And yet it says that Elisha keeps looking. Even as those chariots separate them physically, Elisha refuses to take away his eyes from his teacher. Because he knows even though death may separate them physically, he has come to believe that he can still be with his teacher spiritually. And as that whirlwind takes Elijah up into the sky, Elisha rips his clothes and cries out, Father, Father. For he has looked even upon his teacher's death and refused to look away. And so in that moment, his request has been granted. He is Elijah's son at last where once he kept the most significant thing in his life secret, saying, be silent. Now publicly he proclaims that Elijah is his father and he shows the world his grief, tearing his clothes. Our story ends there. Or I should say our reading ends there. But Elisha's story doesn't. Elijah, Elisha will pick up the mantle that his teacher has dropped and he uses it to cross the River Jordan and enter back into the Holy Land. And he carries on the ministry that his teacher started. And the rabbis, what they do is they count all the miracles the different prophets have done. And they said, Elijah, he performed eight miracles in his ministry. But Elisha, he performs 16. He has inherited a double share of his teacher's spirit. Not just has he inherited that double share, but his teacher is there with him, encouraging him on, because though death may take the ones we hold dear in Jesus, they are always near. Though it perhaps is not the way he intended, because Elijah is alive in Christ, that promise that was once empty that Elisha made is fulfilled. As the Lord lives, and as Elijah lives, he will never leave him. They are always together in Christ. My friends, we will all die. Everyone we love will die. But but death cannot separate us from the one we love the only thing that can separate us is our refusal to have a real relationship with someone. And so on the mountain in which Jesus is transfigured, Jesus gives us that vision that those we love are alive in him forever, that though death has taken them, they are still near. So that in this life, we might not deny the reality of death, but recognize it that recognizing the reality of death, we might recognize real relationships with the people we love, so that when someone comes to the end of their life, instead of denying that truth, we might recognize it. And as a result, instead of making empty promises, we might make fulfilling requests. We might tell people what matters most, about them and ask them for what matters most before they die. To hear from them that they love us. To hear from them that they forgive us. To hear from them that they think of us as a child. Instead of going through these final moments of our life in silence because we can't say the one thing that needs to be said when we are honest about death. We can have a real relationship and talk to each other and the time, that precious time we have walking in this pilgrimage in life. And instead of denying death and trying to keep silent this most significant thing that is about to happen, well, when we acknowledge it, when we recognize it, we can be real and share with each other and with the world what is most significant in our life. We can share it with Jesus. And trust that even though death takes the ones we hold dear, that in Jesus, they will always be near. Amen.